Welcome to the Fair Talks podcast, where we educate everyday people for extraordinary change. I'm your host, Alicia Chan, the executive director of Fair Trade LA, a community of business members, nonprofits, and fair trade enthusiasts driving proactive, sustainable solutions for a fairer world. I'm also a social entrepreneur with a passion for ending poverty and creating dignified jobs. Together, we'll explore how fair trade changes lives and communities and what we can do to address some of the world's biggest problems right in our own homes. Let's dive in. Fair Talks is brought to you by Fair Trade USA, the organization that brings you the Fair Trade certified label. Fairtrade USA is committed to building an innovative model of responsible business, conscious consumerism, and shared value to eliminate poverty and enable sustainable development for farmers, workers, their families, and communities around the world. To say that I'm excited about the conversation today may be an understatement. (laughs) It's kind of ridiculous how passionate I get when I have the opportunity to talk about Haiti. As you all probably know by now, I have a huge love for Haiti. I've been there for over 14 years and recently came back from my 38th trip. That is where I found my passion and the realization that one of the long-term solutions to ending poverty is jobs, sustainable, fair paying jobs. The ripple effect of having a job means families can put food on the table, send their children to school instead of orphanages and put a roof over their heads. All things that we often take for granted here, but I've witnessed firsthand how these basic needs are not a guarantee in a place like Haiti. At the same time in Haiti, one of the poorest countries in the Western Hemisphere, I've seen how employment is vital for survival and is the solution to changing lives for good. You've probably seen in the news in recent years, Haiti has gone through hell. And it just seems like one bad news after another. And many people have stopped going to Haiti. Many humanitarian aid organizations, nonprofits, and businesses have pulled out, which is all understandable given the reality of the situation. But as you can probably imagine, this means more people are suffering without a job, without support, and simply without food. In a recent UN report, they estimated that nearly half of Haiti's population is now living in famine conditions. That's more than 4.5 million people. I share all this background with you so you can understand why I was so excited and so encouraged when I met our guests and her team at the Fair Trade Federation Conference. Last month, which was March, 2023, Fairtrade LA and Fairtrade Long Beach had the privilege of welcoming the global Fairtrade Federation community to Southern California. It was so nice to be able to spend a few days around like-minded, caring individuals who are all trying to make life better for people in different parts of the world. Truly, it was a room full of world changers. And in the midst of this conference, I met the team from GoEx, an apparel company whose shirts are made from eco-friendly fabrics cut and sewn in Haiti and designed and printed in Kansas City. I love, love, love seeing the words made in Haiti on their t-shirt labels. They had this graphic tee with a design of Haiti on it with the mountains and this goat and a rooster and it literally brought me right back into my village fondues. Anyways, I was just so proud to see GoEx still working in Haiti despite all the challenges. 
and making customizable fair trade shirts more accessible for the U.S. market. It was like my two passions, Haiti and fair trade, beautifully woven together. I know that throughout the years of doing presentations and raising awareness on labor trafficking and talking about sweatshops that are happening even in our own backyard here in downtown LA, many of you have asked, how can we make sure our church, our school, or business is printing our logos on fair trade shirts? And not just fair trade, but sustainable fabric. It just seems so hard to find shirts that are both good for the environment and the people. Well, we have found the company for you. What better way to take action during Fashion Revolution Week this April than to make the switch of your organization's t-shirt supplier or simply purchase a better shirt? Today, I'm having a conversation with Executive Director of GoX, Jessica Ray, to dive deeper into their work in Haiti and what makes their shirts better. Jessica spent a significant part of her childhood on the production floor of her family's toy manufacturing plant. That providential business beginning led her to a career in high-end retail, first at Neiman Marcus and later at Hallmark in Kansas City. Jessica brings proven experience in sales, merchandising, supply chain, planning, inventory management, and manufacturing. Those skills provide the insight and the oversight necessary to ensure success in GoX's operations which in turn is the catalyst for changing lives in Haiti through the dignity of work. She lives in Kansas City, Missouri with her husband of 15 years, her eight-year-old daughter, and three standard poodles. When not at work, Jessica enjoys reading, sewing, gardening, and traveling. GoX is giving our listeners a very generous 30% off your entire purchase now through the end of May. Make sure to stick around till the end for your exclusive discount code. Now, let's dive in. Thank you so much for joining us, Jessica. Thank you for taking your time out today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. But before we dive into our share love of Haiti, which we could talk about that all day, I want to learn more about your journey and how you got here today. You grew up in your family's toy manufacturing plant, which I can relate yeah. to because my mom owned and ran a clothing manufacturing company. So I grew up in that environment. And then you had a career in high-end retail working for Neiman Marcus and Hallmark. How has seeing the ins and outs of these large operations impacted who you are today and the perspective you may have on supply chains and manufacturing? So first of all, I fell in love with manufacturing really early, like just the process of making things and the sound of the equipment and the buzz and the people. Mm -hmm. And I just, I walk onto a factory floor and I'm like, I love, I love this so mm -hmm. much. There's just, you know, it's so much better than a sea of cubicles, right? Like yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> so yeah. So I actually really wanted to be in manufacturing early on, but mm -hmm. women in the late 90s, early 2000s, that was not really a thing. It mm -hmm. is more so now, but it's just, it's crazy to me to think back, you know, 25 years and how far we've come in, yeah. you know, spots that women can even be considered for jobs. Mm -hmm. So I ended up in retail mm -hmm. and I loved it for a lot of reasons. And I managed a sales team. I worked in buying, I worked in planning. So kind of all the different aspects 
but I was in hard goods the whole time. So I registered brides and I sold, you know, art collectibles and tea services and things that like our family heirlooms until kind of that wasn't a thing anymore. Right. And that was super sad for me because I have a love for the artistry of all of those items and going and being able to tour factories that made hand-blown crystal or hand-painted china or those those trades was so cool to me. So definitely that was kind of part of my journey into fair trade is that appreciation of artisans and of hand-made things. I always struggled with fashion and the seasonality of it and women who would come in and spend $30,000 four times a year on wardrobes and then trash them like Mm-hmm. That was that was more than I could bear. So yeah, I spent um, my my retail career in hard goods. I did a short stint in intimate apparel. Mm-hmm. So if anyone wants some advice on that, you can ping <laughs> me later. And awesome. actually, I I actually really enjoyed that. But mm-hmm. yeah, for the most part, I was in hard goods, and it really just fostered my love of handmade and um, just care for the people who who touch things. And mm-hmm. even in even in those higher end worlds, like there isn't, there isn't the appreciation for the artistry that there used to be. And a lot of that work is being offshore because people won't pay the price. Yeah. Wow. You definitely have a very wholesome experience in your background to bring into this fair trade world. So I'm really (laughs) excited to dive into that. For me personally, I remember growing up in that like manufacturing world, especially in apparel and clothing. And I just realized I learned the giant markups that these high-end companies put on these items. And I'm like, the factories barely get anything. And so that was the perspective that I got. So now that leads us to this question of what led you to switch gears from pursuing a career in the high-end industry and becoming now the executive director of GoX, an apparel company that works in Haiti, is Fairtrade verified? And then actually working in Haiti, one of the poorest countries in the Western hemisphere. I mean, that's such a huge shift for you. Like what made you change directions like this? Yeah. So there's kind of a jump in between. So I was working in planning and inventory management at Halls, which was a retailer owned by Hallmark here in Kansas Mm -hmm. City. And I lived downtown and worked in community development stuff. And my husband and I had rehabbed a couple of houses And I got really into affordable housing and also just the challenges of urban neighborhoods, especially historic neighborhoods. And so I actually made my first jump from retail into Habitat for Humanity. So I ran the Restore Network in Kansas City, which Mm -hmm. is like the third largest in the country. So I went from Mm -hmm. selling big pieces of crystal to use toilets, which makes people (laughs) laugh. But like when I entered and when I interviewed for that job, one of the board members was like, I I don't get it. Like, why are you here? (laughs) Like, first of all, selling and customer services should be the same, right? Like Mm -hmm. just because you're selling, you know, affordable housing supplies to homeowners, they shouldn't be treated any differently than somebody who walked into Mm. Neiman Marcus, right? Like that should be, customer service should be the same. And he was kind of like, you could tell he didn't necessarily agree with me, but he appreciated my like justice (laughs) mindset. So yeah. And then, you know, retail math is the same. Buying and selling is the same. 
And I just had a passion for that world and helping, you know, homeowners be able to improve their homes and do maintenance mm -hmm. that they could afford. So yeah, that was my jump out of high-end retail. And mm -hmm. I was at Habitat about a year and a half. And then I have a friend who was at Global Orphan Project, whose parent company of GoX. And he's like, I think you should talk to my boss. They, they need somebody. So I came over and interviewed at GoX and, and made the jump. And I've been here since and love it. So I ended up in fashion after all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your experience led to all of this. I love that. Right. Now, yeah. what are some of the biggest differences, good or bad, that you have noticed between high-end retail world and the fair trade retail world? I think the biggest is community. Like mm -hmm. in high end, it's cutthroat, right? And it's cutthroat yeah. with the sales reps and it's cutthroat between the vendors and it's cutthroat for the ad dollars and the markdown dollars and everything else. And mm -hmm. we're just so much more cooperative than fair trade. And we swap ideas and we share with each other and we, yeah, yeah I mean, and every, like we celebrate each other's wins in a big way mm -hmm. instead of being jealous of what somebody else gets. So I just think the camaraderie and the everybody yeah. pulling in the same direction is a huge piece of it. And then just having a reason to care about what you do, like mm -hmm. outside of sales commission, mm -hmm. you know, it's every time we send another order to our factory, right? Like that's a celebration and it's something to feel amazing about. And it's not just a process the way cutting a PO was when I was in in a different world. So yeah, I think, I think we just like, there's so much better. Everything's better, right? Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know how to say that. Like everything no, about it is better. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, we met at the fair trade federation conference that was in, in long beach in March. And that was the feeling you get, you know, you're in a room full of other businesses, but yet you just feel the sense of community, like family, like we all understand each other and we're supportive of each other. And honestly, that's why I got into fair trade because I'm like, we can use business for good. Like we can use business yes. to change lives. And that's what this is about. So it's so true. That yes. is an awesome difference. <laughs> <laughs> to get out of bed in the morning and know what you do, like legit yeah. matters, right? Like it doesn't yeah. just matter a little bit to your family. Like it legit matters to a lot of people. It's, it's yeah. a big difference. Mm. Nothing beats. Yeah. That feeling of my work and all the sweat and tears does matter in the world. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Now as a fair trade business owner, and I'm sure many of our listeners are as well. Uh, what are some lessons our fair trade world can learn and apply to help grow and scale our business? you know, from things that you've learned from the high-end retail yeah. world. And I ask that because ultimately we do want more market share. We want fair trade to be more widely seen in the global marketplace, to be more widely accepted and ultimately to impact more lives. Right. I think, so this is going to be funny, but like you have to give the people what they want, right? And this can be a big, like this was a challenge for me as a buyer when I was buying fine china because I would recognize the artistry in something. But like, it still has to translate to the market. So I think as we look to grow fair trade and grow the just relevance in today's market, we have to work with our artisans to use techniques that they, you know, have excellence in, but to design in a way that people want. And mm -hmm. it's not always the most popular opinion, but if we're yeah. going to really create volume and scale, 
we have to sell things that people want at the end mm. of the day. And so, you know, for us, we've done a lot of like people laugh about the number of things that we've stopped doing at GoX. So mm. like we did apparel and a whole bunch of other things over time. And we just mm. kept going, no, we're not going to do that anymore. 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 We're going to do this one thing mm. that can scale and that we can do really, really well. And so, yeah, we've, we've stuck our toes in a lot of things. And there were times where we just kept buying product because we wanted to provide jobs, but the product wasn't selling. And so yeah. then we were stuck with all this inventory that we couldn't generate yeah. revenue from. And then at some point you can't buy anymore. Mm. So, yeah. So I mm. think creating product people want making really good financial decisions in order to be able to sustain your business. And then do look at it as a business. Yeah. You know, I run all the same reports I ran when I was buying other product and I'm looking at margin and I'm looking at turn and I'm looking at debt inventory and I'm looking at trend. And so, you know, we can, we can have a heartfelt love for a product mm -hmm. or a group or whatever, but we have to run businesses that, generate profit and allow us to continue to have good impact. Yeah, that is such valuable advice, especially for small business owners who, you know, a lot of times we come from the perspective of we just want to buy all the artisan work that they're making. But also just from what you're sharing, it made me realize like we, we stand in such a we're, we're positioned so uniquely that we can see what the global market wants and bring mm -hmm. it to the artisans that we work with and say, make this like, yeah. we have such a unique positioning that we can benefit the fair trade world. So we got to use that to our advantage. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now I am so excited because we are going to dive into all things GoX. I was so yeah. excited to meet you and your team at the fair trade Federation conference, because obviously of our shared love for Haiti, you had a shirt that just yes. like, that said Haiti on it and it had a goat and the mountains. And I was like, wow, just looking at that shirt brings me back to Haiti. And I think I had just gotten back to like the week before. And I have seen GoX shirts in other places before. And I get so excited whenever I see shirts made in Haiti. And thanks to you guys, it's more accessible now than ever. So bring us to the beginning. Tell us how GoX was started, who founded it and all the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We have... Like I said, we have kind of a long and winding road to get to where we are today. But so as I mentioned, we're part of a large nonprofit, um, the Global Orphan Project, headquartered here in Kansas City. It was founded by a couple here in Kansas City. They sold a business and made some money and wanted to invest it in caring for kids and started out by sponsoring a community-based orphanage about 28 years ago. And learned many things over time as they invested and traveled and just learned about realities of the world. Like I said, 25 years ago, things were very different. They were very different yeah. in the workplace. And they were also very different in how we thought about international orphan care and adoption mm. and all of those really complicated topics. But mm. one of the largest lessons learned over time was that 80% of the world's orphans are economic orphans. They have parents, at least one, if not both, who would take care of them if they could afford to do so. We had built systems in the Western world that you know, went and built orphanages that offered really nice lives and educations and meals and clothes and toys to kids. And so parents would come and drop their kids off in order to give them a better life. And unfortunately, for better or for worse, like they might have 
quote unquote, a better life, but they're living in an institutional space. They don't have the love of their mom and dad. And there's a lot of trauma involved in the breaking of those relationships. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that was a major, major lesson learned and a big shift in how Go Project works. And one of the mm -hmm. first things was providing and supporting local employment. So there was a woman named Lucy in Ghana, and she had a sewing facility that had been built by, I think, somebody in Belgium. And she'd been trained, and she had sewing machines, and she had a little team of ladies, and they sat there at their sewing machines, and they didn't have any work. Mm -hmm. So, like, building them a sewing center was great, but not if there wasn't any work to go into the sewing center. Yeah. And we were shipping school uniforms in for all of the kids whose education we supported. So we said, all right, time out. We're going to stop shipping school uniforms in. We're going to instead ship her fabric and we're going to pay her yes. and her teams to sew all of our school uniforms. Yeah. And so that's a model to this day that we yeah. don't ship things in to local economies. We also don't send work trips. So if we send mm -hmm. teams overseas, they're going to learn. They're not going to take jobs away from local communities. Like we do everything we can to invest in and support the local economics on the ground. So born from that, we started setting up all kinds of different businesses. We have literally been in almost any business you can think of around the world. We've raised fish, we've raised chickens, we've grown crops, we like you name it, we've probably tried it. Mm -hmm. And some of those things have worked and some of those <laughs> things have not. But we continue to invest in ideas that local communities have in order to generate income for themselves and other people around them. So yeah, we we often launch into all the things that we stopped doing, and it's pretty funny. So then we got to 2010 and the earthquake in Haiti mm -hmm. and all of the attention in Haiti, and we had teams on the ground there from very early on, and everybody got to know one another and kind of in the Port-au-Prince areas. They were you know, serving families and trying to figure out what to do and what rebuilding would look like and all mm -hmm. of that, and our President Go Project met a man there who had been in Haiti 25 or 26 years at that point, who serendipitously was also from Kansas City. And he had run garment factories in Haiti for years and mm -hmm. was just ready to do something very different. So they kind of compiled a team there and started our first garment factory, which had like 14 employees and started sewing a few t-shirts. And so GoX then grew out of that. And we've moved our factory from where it started. And we have, I think, 77 employees in Haiti now. And they all have full-time jobs. So that was another thing that we, you know, over time, instead of that, you know, pressure to keep ordering product because you want to keep funneling money to an artisan group, like we started a factory that we own a large percentage of, and those people have full-time jobs all the time instead of just spot as we have certain orders. So yeah, that's kind of to where we are today in a real wow. quick tale of, of how we got here. That's incredible. We all learn from experience and I love hearing that yes. history of this is what we learn and this is what we're doing better. I love that. Now, if you feel- Yeah, we try to be on a path of constant improvement. Sorry. No, 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 go <laughs> like, ahead. <laughs> every decision that comes, it's like, how can we do it a little bit better than we did it last time? Like, how, yeah. how do we need to shift? How do we need to adjust so that we keep doing less harm and more good with every decision that we make? So, I sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. 
<laughs> no, you're good. I love that. It takes a lot of humility humility to say I uh, work a constant <laughs> learner and let's continue to improve. Psst, I hate to interrupt, but we've got a surprise for you. Even a monthly surprise if you want. Have you been wanting to add more fair trade into your life, but aren't sure where to start? We have an easy way for you to support local fair trade businesses without ever having to leave your home. Our monthly fair package brings the world right to your door. Each month, you'll receive a surprise fair trade product curated from a dedicated ethical business. From artisanal soaps to shade-grown organic coffee, you'll find new fair trade products to love, all while supporting sustainable jobs from around the world. Keep your surprise for yourself or give it to a loved one. Did we mention it's super affordable? Subscribe for only $10 a month. Snag yours now at fairtrailaid.org backslash fair package. Then sit back, relax, and eagerly wait for your delivery. Now, let's get back to the show. Now, yeah. if you feel comfortable sharing, can you tell us which city or which, at least which area your factory is located in Haiti? Like, is it still safe? Obviously, pe- in the world news, people know of the danger right now in Haiti. Like, is it safe for your, your workers to come to work right now? Yeah, so we're right outside of Port-au-Prince. So in kind of the middle of all the things. And we, so our team has a very like community mindset. And so when things are kind of dicey on their trip to work, like they'll all meet up and come to work together, which is cool. Traveling in numbers is a good thing. They're kind of shifting schedules, coming to work and time of day and that kind of thing. We did make a decision like for fashion revolution, you're not going to see any pictures of our team with I major clothes signs. We're just mm-hmm. trying to do everything we can to make sure that they can't be identified as part of our team at this point. So we've kind of pulled some pictures and bios and those kinds of things and are trying to yeah. protect them in any way that we can make sure that they're not targets because of being associated with an American country or company. So yeah, and it's like having to think that way hurts my heart, right? Like the transparency of our company and the transparency of our supply chain and like, that's who we are, right? And so in this season, like it's so important for them to be able to continue to work. And it's also important for us to do everything we can to like, give them kudos for that and give them the best situation possible and also like not try to get in the way of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. I know it's a very tricky time there and we have to do all we can to protect them. And as you know, most people have pulled out of working in Haiti because of all the political instability and ridiculously high fuel prices and the growing gang violence. So I guess at the end of the day, why Haiti? Why is GoEx still there? I'm sure there's other countries you could move to and it'll, and the working would be much easier. Like how has your company, and then at the end of the day, like how has your company been impacted in the recent years? Yeah. So I've been asked this several times of like, why are you still, why are you guys still there? And it all comes back to our commitment to caring for our team there. And I asked our general manager to write a note last fall of kind of the situation and it wasn't even as bad as it is now but she wrote in that note that there's a saying in French that I will butcher so I'm just going to give you the English transition translation which is work is freedom and like Mm -hmm. that just but for for our team for anybody in Haiti like in a poverty-stricken country like that when you have fair wage employment like 
there is hope, there is freedom, there is the ability to make decisions for your family that other people don't have. We also provide lunch to our team every day. It's a guaranteed mm -hmm. meal that they might not get if they're not there. And mm. that makes a big difference. And we have a great working environment and our factory is surrounded by trees and mm. sometimes a goat wanders in <laughs> and it's just a happy place to be. And yeah. like, I, I think right now, and we, we have a social worker on staff and some things like that. Mm. Like right now, especially in a time like this, being able to lean into people and being stable for them in a world that is so not stable is is incredibly important. And the last thing I'm going to do is throw in the towel. If they call me and say, we literally can't anymore, like we can't get there, then we'll figure out what to do. Mm. But I'm not going to I'm not going to be the one to make that mm. call. I'm not the one on the ground in the middle of it. And also they're super talented. I've had samples sewn in other factories and I hate all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that touched my heart so much. And this is why I'm so passionate about fair trade because there is a heart behind the business. Like it's not just yes. about the numbers and business, like everyone else can do that. But for fair trade, like we care about the people, we care about the mission. Oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, everyday Haitian people, they're the ones that are most hurt by what's going on. And they yes. are the ones that need sustainable and stable work more than ever. And this is why I'm so grateful that GoX is still there. And I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, to learn... I'm not going to say, yeah, it's not easy, right? Yeah. Like it, it's a hard, hard place to do business. And there's, you know, multiple times a week, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I really? Know just when you think it couldn't get crazier. So like, it gets it, worse. it's yeah. not, it's not like it's a great decision for our business. And we, yeah, every year I do a budget and then by February, it's just shot. And I'm like, <laughs> sorry, they doubled the price of fuel. Right. Sorry. They decided to send us a random tax bill. Sorry. Yep. They, you know, it's always, always mm. something. And we just call it the Haiti factor. And yeah. we know that we're going to end up with you know, some crazy bill and some new expense. And, mm. but at the end of the day, like, what are we going to do? Say, no, all of your lives are not worth $10,000. No, I'm not mm. going to say that. Like, hopefully yeah. the Haitian government doesn't send me a tax bill after saying that, but <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so unpredictable there, but like, like I said earlier, the people need us need this work need us to represent them. Yes. And that's why I was excited to have GoX come on. Cause I was like, GoX is going to be able to share, you know, the tangible impact, but also the positive side of this is what it looks like. Yes. It's tough, but these are real lives being impacted because yes. of this operation. And that's what this is all about. So I'm excited to learn yes. more about that fair trade impact in Haiti. Tell us why you decided to go through the process of being verified by Fair Trade Federation, because I know that's an intense process. And tell us more about your program and how you provide for your employees. Yeah, I'll start with providing for employees and then circle back to fair trade. So we, we like I said, look to do better every time we have a decision to make. And we're very people first. So there are a lot of things that we could do that would, you know, give us corporate rubber stamps. But at the end of the day, it's about caring for the people, right? So 
One example is if you, you know, get on Berkeley or whoever's done the newest study on living wage employment and look at what they want us to pay in Haiti, like our employees would probably be murdered if we paid them what some U.S. college wants us to pay them. So we invest in them in other ways in order to not do harm, if that makes sense. So that's why we provide lunch. Like that's a dollar fifty a day in a place Mm -hmm. like Haiti. It's a significant raise and they're not having to go out on the street and buy food. So is that reported as income? No. Is it a real tangible, significant benefit to people? 100 percent we have a doctor in the building who can take care of minor things or do referrals we do we've done eye exams and provided everybody with eyeglasses we like Mm -hmm. i said have a social worker who can refer to other resources and we Mm -hmm. have the partnership of our nonprofit arm that works in haiti so we so yeah like there's a lot of things that maybe wouldn't be rubber stamped by an agency that just looks at payroll, but we have chosen to do things to reduce employees' expenses and care for them in other ways in order mm-hmm. to not do harm in their communities, if that makes sense. So so yeah. And then that also circles to why Fair Trade Federation. And I think it's largely because of the holistic look that they take at a business instead of certifying organizations that certify like one product at a time. So we have the responsibility for our entire product collection instead of the four items that we want to have certified as fair trade. And then we can, you know, hold that up and cheerlead it while all of this over here is not, which a lot of organizations do. And we just appreciate that approach to wanting the members of the Fair Trade Federation to be considerate throughout their supply chain and throughout their catalog of products instead of just, you know, one little piece at a time. And we also struggle with a lot of the factory certifications because they're really certifying that you're doing the minimum, right? Like you're paying the local minimum wage in that Mm -hmm. industry. Well, we don't think the local minimum wage in Haiti is enough. Like Mm -hmm. there's a medium point in between the study and what the minimum wage in the apparel industry is Mm -hmm. that we feel is a fair wage cares for the employee add the other benefits on top of it and that allows them to invest in their family and and care for them so yeah so we we really struggle when people call us and they're like well do you have this this and this and we're like we do like way more than those Mm -hmm. things so why would i go pay an organization to come in and tell me that I need new landscaping when the employees don't care and we're checking way more boxes when it comes to caring for people than that certification cares about. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting like balance, right? But so many of these factory certifications are like, you're paying minimum wage. You don't have any children working for you, you don't like you hit these few things, you know, your electrical outlets are covered and you have fire extinguishers. And we have all of those things, like we cover Mm -hmm. all the safety things, but we're just, we're just not willing to, I don't know, we're just not willing to pay into what we kind of feel like are rackets in order to have factories be able to hold up a certificate and say, look, I'm doing the minimum. Yeah. No, that's, 
That's awesome. I knowing how Haiti works and knowing how there's lack of jobs there, all those benefits, like being able to eat at your work and the doctors, all that is huge there. Like you won't find that in most places. That's huge. Yeah. That's awesome. And yeah. And what I love about GoX is that you not only care about providing fair trade and dignified employment for the makers, you also care about the quality and the sustainability of the materials. I saw on your website, I love this graphic that says why our shirts, why our shirts are better. So tell us Mm -hmm. why are your shirts better? I know that sourcing raw materials in Haiti is not easy. So how do you source these sustainable fabrics and components to make your garments? How do you ensure sustainability? So we source all of our fabrics from the U.S. We have I took a trip to India. We've investigated Honduras. They don't make fabric Mm -hmm. in Haiti. That's not a thing. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've investigated lots of other places. And at the end of the day, I couldn't get clean verification of supply chain Mm -hmm. or the quality that we wanted. So Mm -hmm. we could get one or the other, but not what we, what we felt was the kind of transparency we wanted all the way through our supply chain. Mm -hmm. So we source our fabric in the U S Also, it's a super small carbon footprint from the Carolinas to Haiti and back and anything else we were going to have to be shipping around the globe. And that felt contradictory to the goal of doing better. So we source our fabric from South Carolina. It's all made right there in the Carolinas. I visited the place where they spin the yarn and I visited the knitter where they turn the yarn into the Mm. raw fabric and I visit our knit, dye, and finish facility. We can be sure that everything meets California standards for dyes Mm -hmm. and all of that. So we're not worried about there being harmful chemicals in the fabrics because they come from who knows where. We're just like on the raw material side, very dedicated to transparency, to quality, to consistency. Like we want every time you put on a tri-blend tee for it to feel as amazing as the last one you put on. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And then component wise, my, um, project, my product manager is always looking for kind of what's the next thing. And even in fabrics, we're looking at that. So we've added hundred percent recycled poly, and now we're looking mm-hmm. at fabrics that are biodegradable versus recycled. And what does that do for mm-hmm. plastics and, and all of those things as technology continues to evolve So we were doing metal zippers at one point, and then we found that we could get zippers made from ocean plastic. And we're like, well, that's better. So we made that shift. Thank you to everyone who put up with mixed zippers for a little while. (laughs) So yeah, so our zippers are now all made from ocean plastic. Mm -hmm. And we switched to buttons that are made from recycled plastic. Our labels are, so we had labels. Then we switched to labels made from recycled poly, recycled plastic, And then last year, we were able to find a fair trade supplier for our labels. So we actually Mm. now get our labels from Starfish Project, who's also an FTF member. So we're able to support fair wage jobs through even the pieces and parts that go into our garments. And so, Mm. yeah, so that's one of those things where we got from poly to recycled poly and we're like, yay, that's progress. And then we got to fair trade recycled poly and that was even better. So we're constantly looking at technology at other fair trade brands out there and what they're making, just how we can continue to improve either quality or sourcing. Yeah. 
I know a lot of people may hear, wait, what? The fabric's from the U.S. and then it's made in Haiti? And that could sound very confusing. But yeah, Haiti just does not have raw materials to work with. Not a lot of raw materials to work with. No. Very limited to what we can do. And the other thing that you address and is so true is Haiti is so close to the U.S. So if you got things from India or China, the travel, the footprint is so much longer like so much farther from Haiti and people just don't realize how close Haiti is it's literally like an hour and a half flight away so um, and I didn't know that the fabric was from the Carolinas so it's already in the coast the east coast and so it's it's super close to Haiti and then from what I understand once the garment's made it's brought to Kansas right that and in Kansas Kansas you do the screen printing yeah, so the total miles traveled for a shirt is only 2,700. And mm. the typical t-shirt actually travels the globe six times. Wow. So because so, so much of the know. cotton comes, wow. yeah, cotton comes largely from the U.S., honestly. So it'll get processed in the States and then shipped overseas and mm. then shipped for processing. And then it gets shipped to get like, they just circle and circle and yeah. circle before they actually become a t-shirt. So yeah, we decided that it was important to keep that tight supply chain, both for transparency, like I said, and because there's just no reason to spend the energy shipping cotton all over the place. Yeah, no, we're keeping it in the Western Hemisphere, and that is yes, great exactly for the environment. We were That's onshoring awesome. before onshoring was cool. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, I remember. I I knew of the former Minister of Commerce who was who she was really trying to get people to like American factories to come produce in Haiti because of how close it is. Like you save yeah. so much um, freight and transport time just because of the proximity of Haiti. So I love Yeah, I can love, literally love get a container of shirts out of Haiti into the States in three days. Wow. Yeah, that is unheard of in the manufacturing world. Because how long would it take yeah. from like China or India to get to the US? At least a month. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, that's huge. That's a huge benefit for any business, especially apparel. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, at Fairtrade LA, we work with a lot of congregations and schools and companies that may be looking for Fairtrade t-shirts and tote bags that they can customize. Mm-hmm. And that's totally something you guys do. So I'm excited to be able Love to share it. GoX as a resource now. Can you tell our listeners who may be interested how they can start doing custom orders with GoX? Yeah. So our website is goxapparel.com. And if you do goxapparel.com slash wholesale or goxapparel.com and then click wholesale, there's a button at the top of the page and you just fill out a form and we will get you linked up with someone to take care of your order. And we kind of purposefully have made it a interaction between two humans instead of like (laughs) just everything online. We actually want to talk to you and hear Mm -hmm. about what you want and make it the best it can be. There's nothing worse than uploading a piece of art that you think is okay to a website. And then you get your shirts and you're like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. The colors are bad. It's all fuzzy. Like we want to give you a very quality product. So yeah, we want to talk to you about what you want. We want to make sure the colors are right. We want to make sure your art is super high quality. You're never going to get a fuzzy, yucky print from us. We (laughs) can't stand to do that. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen some of these, the shirts It's very high quality. And I love that you guys are literally willing to work with, 
the client to put the prints wherever, be very innovative. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So We've what... had things sketched on a napkin before and we yeah. turn it into what you want it to be. So wow. sometimes we get kids art, which is always really fun Aww. to try to translate for screen printing. Like, you know, here's the family shirts and one of the kids drew this. And we're like, okay, mm. we're going to need to limit that because it's 19 colors, but I'm sure we can figure it out. Um, so those are fun projects to work on. Yeah. Yeah. Can you share maybe some of the companies that do um, get their shirts from GoX that we may be familiar with? Yeah. So Chris Tomlin, who's a recording artist, gets all of his garments from us. So wow. if you bought a shirt from him on tour since 2019, that's a Go XT. Wow. So he's probably our biggest celebrity currently. Mm. And then Feed My Serving Children, which is a national mm -hmm. nonprofit who operates like fair trade boutiques in their locations. All of their apparel comes from us as well. Mm. So those are two kind of big national names. And then past that, we've printed for a, a bunch of different companies. We've printed for Expedia. We've printed for Habitat for Humanity. We've printed wow. for um, a couple of regional Amazon things. Wow. We've printed for a ton of schools and clubs and yeah. all kinds of things. So, oh, yeah, so we have a, yeah, we have a couple of celebrities in our mix, but we also have a lot of just people and clubs and retailers yeah. and those kinds of people who want a little bit who want to do something good with their apparel we have a lot of fair trade retailers obviously mm -hmm. who purchase shirts from us mm -hmm. and it's been fun to grow that network and give them an option like in the past yeah. their shirts had to be part of that percentage of not fair trade stuff yeah. in their store and now it doesn't have to be and they can sell you gum and lip gloss and yeah. not have to worry about how many shirts they sell. And so that's been, that's been fun to shift kind of those commodity categories are yes. hard in the fair trade yeah. world. Right. Yeah. But as we can clear out one of those commodity categories, that's hard to source. Yeah. It just frees up a lot of opportunity for them to, to serve clients in other ways and generate revenue for their, their stores. So we love it when we get calls of like, oh my gosh, that was amazing and it sold so well and I need a reorder and what else Aww. can we do? And I'm so glad that I did this. And we're like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are definitely a leader in this industry because we don't see a lot of fair, fair trade shirts. And so this is, this is a big deal. And I hope to see more of you guys in the West Coast. <laughs> we hope to as well. Yes. <laughs> So that all that being said, what are your hopes for the future of GoX? What is coming next and what would you like to see in the future? So we're expanding our team. So we're going to add another sales rep this year, which we're super excited about. Give us some more capacity to be able to service all those customers, mm -hmm. especially on the West Coast. So this new rep will be focused on the West Coast. So that's yes. exciting. If you know anybody, send them our way. And past that, we really want to be able to double the size of our team in Haiti. And that means doubling the number of shirts we sell. Yes. So we're just really focused on growing sales volume. And mm -hmm. while I do believe in slow fashion, everybody buys like 2.53 t-shirts every year or some kind of average like that. So mm -hmm. we want two of them to be GoX shirts. Yes. <laughs> I want that too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have such amazing appreciation for our customers and the whole community that's just really supported us and continues to send us notes and ask how things are in Haiti. Like, mm -hmm. you're not annoying me. I'm more than happy to answer those emails. And I, I love that all of you care. So yeah. 
We definitely need to be in touch because I definitely want to come visit the manufacturing site in Haiti and definitely want to partner with you in many different capacities. Yeah, we would love that. We love having visitors. It's been so hard not being able to. I haven't even been there in three years, four mm -hmm. years, maybe four years, just, you know, letting the team do their thing and yeah. not having to worry about me makes them feel better. So yeah. Yeah, but I miss it so much. Like, it just makes my heart hurt. When you said you'd yeah. been, I was like, oh, I want to go. But <laughs> we're in a very different part of the country right. than you are. So it yeah. makes a big difference. Yeah. No, I mean, I share that hope with you of if you can double the numbers of workers in Haiti, like the hires that, I mean, that should show our listeners the direct impact of when you purchase from, for example, GoX, a fair trade shirt company, you are directly impacting who gets employed and the lives that are impacted there. It's a very direct yeah. impact. Yeah, and these, there's been a couple of different studies on employment in Haiti, but an, an employee earning a fair wage cares for six to eight other people, depending on which study yeah. you read. So there's a major multiplier there. Mm -hmm. And as the other apparel factories have moved out, it also like the supplier we used to buy thread from closed. So we're now mm -hmm. importing thread from the Dominican Republic. Well, that was a loss of a bunch more jobs and our box supplier mm -hmm. closed. So we're now having to import boxes because we can't mm -hmm. get boxes in Haiti. So even the things that we were buying in Haiti that wow. created additional jobs, we can't mm -hmm. anymore. So it just further reinforces like the importance of every job yes. in Haiti right now. Yes. Yes. And I'm hopeful it will get better soon. I'm hopeful that me too. Things will change. I'm kind of done being super optimistic. I'm just, I'll be ready to be surprised. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm with you. We're, we'll be celebrating when that day comes. <laughs> we'll, oh, yeah. We'll get on a call and drink champagne. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Now we like to end by asking a fun question. What is your favorite fair trade product? At least for right now. <laughs> At least for right now. I love our GoX Drop Him V. It's mm. a kind of relaxed fit. It's got that curved hem mm. that looks good with leggings or jeans and a cute pocket. And I yeah. could live in that every single day. Is um, that the one think... that you put the print on top of the pocket? Mm -hmm. like the plants yeah. growing out of the pocket. That was yes. so cute. Yep. That's my very, very favorite. I wear that with a pair of often thrifted jeans and mm -hmm. a pair of Root Collective sneakers, and I am happy for days. Yes. I'm going to have to jump on and get some myself. <laughs> now, we also like to end by asking our guests this one simple question. Well, this one question that's not simple. <laughs> what is one <laughs> simple action step you want to encourage our listeners to take after listening to this episode? I think just think about the next purchase that you make. And is it something that you could do a little bit differently? Like we don't expect anyone to be per to be perfect right out of the gate. Right. right? And so yeah. sometimes people would be like, I'm going to go all fair trade. And then like three days later, they're like, this yeah. sucks. I'm not yeah. doing this. So it's okay to like take baby steps and yeah. pick categories and decide where you can and can't. And it's also like, it turns into a pretty fun game when you're like, mm -hmm. okay, I can do this, but I'm going to hunt for that. And I'm going to do this on Poshmark and I can do, and then here's where like, it is what it is. And mm -hmm. I, I think it's okay to 
let your fair trade story be a journey and discover the things you really love and figure out the things that you just really don't need. And when you find those brands that you love champion them, like that's, that's a great thing. And that's an easy thing you can do. Like you don't have to Insta post the fact that you went and bought something in the dollar area at Target. It's fine. You can do that. I wouldn't be, I won't judge you. (laughs) But when you do find something that does good for the world, like champion that, like share the crud out of it. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great advice leading us into Fashion Revolution Week because it's all about just being more intentional and thoughtful about your next purchase. Don't take purchasing lightly because there's a lot of impact, whether good or bad, that's, you know, impacted from our purchases, but think about that next purchase and really um, see how you can do it better. I love that. Say, use your dollar to vote for the world you want to live in. Yes. And that's not a small thing. It's just not. Yes. Thank you so much, Jessica. I love this conversation. Love that we got to talk about Haiti and all the things. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's been so fun. Yay. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I'm so proud of the quality product that GoX is bringing out of Haiti. And just want to say a special heartfelt thank you to all the makers who are doing all that they can to get to work each day to produce these t-shirts for us to wear. As I said in the beginning, GoX is giving our listeners 30% off their entire site at goxapparel.com. That's G-O-E-X apparel.com. Just use the discount code FAIRTALKS30. That's F-A-I-R-T-A-L-K-S-3-0 and enjoy 30% off your purchase from now till the end of May. As always, you can find this information and more in our show notes at fairtradela.org slash podcast. Okay, now I'm going to go do some shopping. Bye for now. I want to thank the creative team behind the Fair Talks podcast, our executive producer, Juliette Bucquerel, our editor, Kaden Sullivan, our marketing team, Jasmine French, Elena Alcero, and Lizzie Case. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Fair Talks podcast. Thank you for being a part of our community and sharing the fair trade message. Thank you again to our sponsor, Fair Trade USA, for making this possible. Now, are you ready to create change? The next time you're out shopping, just pick up one fair trade item to buy, like coffee, chocolate, or bananas, and make a difference. Ask your office, church, business, school, or your family to shop more fair. If you have any questions or want to learn more, head over to fairtradela.org slash podcast for show notes, discount codes, and additional resources. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And follow us on social media at FairTradeLA to join our amazing community of fair trade lovers. Tune in to our next Fair Talks conversation to hear more life-changing stories. Thanks for listening.